What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Valenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison, with Stephanie Lamont. Hello. We're back. (laughs) Before we get started, we have some announcements to make. The first announcement, which is very exciting, is on June 30th, Swim Masters celebrates its one-year birthday anniversary. Woo! Can you believe it? How's it been a year? I don't know. This is wild. All the stories. Oh, so much learning. So good. So in one year, we have interviewed 24 women. Wow. Wow. Thanks for having this idea and <laughs> doing it. Thanks for helping me, help. me like, make this <laughs> come alive <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who's listening thank you for being here and you know being part of this this you know your why your why we're doing this trying to just tell everybody's stories and as you'll hear hillary talk about in this our guest today it's all about just why we're doing this is it so people can hear stories of people that are that they can identify with or that they can be inspired by and know that they can get there too and so there wouldn't be a point if you weren't listening. So thank you so much for listening, for telling people about it, for putting these lessons that our guests share into practice in your lives and and your career. And I just, I'm so excited to, I hope maybe one day there's ever a meetup at a at NAM and we get to talk to people that listen to this. I <laughs> so know. know, I can't wait for that day. Out there. <laughs> well, I've, I, and I have gotten, You've got uh, some wonderful notes. I've gotten oh, some wonderful notes from thank people. Thank you and for it just, you people that have been writing. and uh. It just reminds us like why we're doing this. You know, every so often you get one of those messages when you're having a bad day and you just see this really <laughs> nice message and it just reminds you as to why, why we're oh, doing yeah. this. Yes. So thank you, everyone. 
I've been gushing about all the support for a year now. So, mm-hmm. so just you, you heard it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We bow before you. Namaste. Thank you. For Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> yeah. So we were a year old. Oh, we're kind of walking. We've got our little toddler legs. No, we're not. Probably not in terms of actual development, but we are as a podcast. Um, <laughs> and so with this episode, we're we're going to, yeah, we're going to, this is going to be the end of season two. We're going to take a short little break um, because I'm moving and Natalie just And I'm moved. moving. And yeah, or you're still well, in oh, process. Well, so, okay. As we're recording this, I'm in the process. By the time this episode actually airs, I will be in my new place but finishing up some things in the old apartment. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So we have live things, but also we have so many ideas of how we want to build out the ecosystem that is swim masters in terms of content. And we're bringing in some of the other swim team uh, to do a lot of, a lot of bonus things and just build out the world of it. So we will be coming back with season three uh, later this summer, but there will be a lot more to it than just the podcast itself. So stay tuned. Yeah. It's gonna be great. And also a couple other housekeeping things. Um, if you are attending Summer Nam, the swim organization is hosting a swim meet on Wednesday, July 14th at 5:30 p.m. I don't remember all the details. I'll put it in this in the description below or just follow us on socials, subscribe to our email newsletter. You'll get all the details. But we really hope that you come and say hi and network and mingle and yeah, summer nam in person. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. So exciting. So exciting. exciting. I know. Normal life. I know. Oh, it's so nice. So nice. So, yeah, today we were very lucky to be joined by the wonderful Hillary B. Jones. Natalie? We got to sit down and chat with Hillary B. Jones, who runs her own consulting company that focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the music industry and music product space. And we talked about this music gear Bechtel test that she created, her experience working in music retail, and then launching her own girls rock camp in Rhode Island, and why she wanted to focus her work on creating more spaces for women in this industry. So it's a really awesome, exciting episode. Yeah, we talk about so much. And what I and she she's fantastic and breaks down things that all of us can start doing every day that are that are there there's the big the big asks that we can want to do long game but little things we can start doing to be building an atmosphere in our workplaces that can that can help build this better this better world that we all want to live in and work in and um some tips and tricks that we can all start taking to heart. Get, get a little homework for all of us to, yeah. to be good, be good, you know, help be good allies, be good advocates for ourselves in our workplaces. Just it's it's so big and it can be so vast. And Hillary does a fantastic job of breaking it down into ways that that are, I don't know, they're tangible. They're, they're things that we can do. It's not bigger than anything we can do. Um, 
and it's just fascinating to talk about this and examine it as a concept. The the idea of the music, looking at the music products industry through that lens and everybody's experiences and, and how we can just uh, keep keep making it better. And that's Yay! why we're doing this. So yeah, I can't wait for you all to hear from Hillary and look her up. She runs a podcast called the Midriff Podcast. If you love hearing her talk, go to that and hear more of it. And I'm sure it's just all of this brilliance. So um, yeah. I just can't wait for you to hear Hillary and for all of us to now go out and, and continue this awesome work that she can help guide us in. Exactly. Here, here. Well, with that said, thank you all again for your love and support over the past year of Swim Whoa. Masters. And we'll see ya on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Hillary. Thank you so much for joining Swim Masters. Stephanie and I are so excited to have you on the podcast. I am equally excited. So psyched. I just, I'm freaking out. So let's get to know Hillary B. Jones. So Mm -hmm. where did you begin your career and what was your path to where you are today? So my career, I, I, you know, I, as, as with many folks, it's been all over the place as I know you've talked to many folks who've had that same experience. And it's, uh, I, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 14 and I just kind of like kept playing and I loved it so much. And, uh, but then when I got to, you know, time to go to college, I was like, well, I guess I should go to college. And my parents were like, I guess you should go to college. I was like, I guess I'm going to college. Uh, so I went to, I, I went to undergrad uh, and I majored in psychology uh, with minor in women's studies. And yeah, yeah and, me too. and not women's studies, yeah. but psychology. Yeah, man. sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, and so it was just I loved it a lot and I thought it was great. And I was playing music the whole time. And then I uh, decided like, well, I don't really know what to do next. So I guess I'll go to more college. And so I went to grad school and uh, that was for behavioral science psychology with a sort of, it's like kind of like social psychology. So the focus is on like um, basically how individuals are affected by groups and group membership um, and identity. And so there's a lot about gender and about race and things like that, which was really exciting for me, but it was really research-based. Yeah. Super, super cool. Um, super fascinating. And, um, and that's kind of where I just assumed I, you know, I guess I'll be a professor now. And while I was doing that, I ended up actually through one of my classes, ended up connecting with this nonprofit where I started getting interested in doing work around sexual violence prevention. And that I basically learned that there was a job where you could just go into schools and colleges and businesses and talk to people about like gender roles. And I was like, my brain exploded. I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Uh, So I was still in school. I did that. And then as that was happening, uh, I also, you know, I was still playing music, still playing in bands, which was kind of bonkers. I was in like two, three bands and like wow. in grad school at the same time. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And and so I'm <laughs> skipping the part where I was actually before grad school when I was in undergrad. I was also uh, working at a record store and I was also working at um, after that a guitar shop. And then, uh, so it's all, all of this is kind of like coming together. It all feels very related. And, um, I'd heard about this thing called girls rock camps and I was like, 
that sounds awesome. Like that's all of the things that I care about put together at once. And so uh, I kind of like stuck it in the back of my brain and went to grad school. And, you know, it's like, well, I can't do that now. That doesn't make sense. And when I right when I finished, I went and volunteered at the camp in Brooklyn. And I was like, hey, friends, all of my friends, what do you think about this? And everybody was like, yes, for sure. Let's do it. <laughs> so we started a camp here. And uh, eventually I had some nonprofit experience. We started that nonprofit and went on to run that for about 10 years. And when that finished, or when I was like, I was done with that, I moved forward and I'm now uh, doing consulting work around gender issues in uh, diversity and workplace culture in the music gear industry, music products industry. So there you go. Here we are. I feel like I'm running a race to get to the end of that story, but we're here. I feel like we made it. And you're so good at, at telling it. Like you, 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 you tell you've told this before though, too, like, or that, or that you at least know how to, to articulate how that, what I, I love that, like, you can look back and see, cause it totally does all, all intersect. And I feel like that's something a lot of people don't know until they're finished yeah. with what feels like the first step of their career. Right. And then they totally. look back. And so I like that you kind of have it succinctly able to to express that this is all this all led somewhere this was all here and these are the things that zippered to make your yeah yeah <laughs> it's now. funny I would have it, it it really you know it makes a lot of sense now at the time if I had thought about it I'm like I don't think I would have predicted it but here we are yeah. <laughs> also, it's showing you're showing that you don't have to major in music to work mm-hmm. in music. Mm-hmm. Like you yep. still had the music interest and you participated in all things music, but it wasn't necessarily your major. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I still play music. It's still something that I do. And, you know, it all worked out. And it was interesting because, you know, doing the, the work with camp, um, one of the things that's sort of like magical about being a part of a of a rock camp is that you're creating this space where people are able to sort of like take risks in a way that feels very comfortable and mm. people feel very supported and, uh, you know, they feel like they can kind of do things they wouldn't otherwise do that might be scary. And I think what I wanted to do initially when this consulting thing, you know, sort of bubbled in my brain, I was like, OK, what if we can create that space outside of camp? Right. Mm. Like, how do we create that Mm. in like workplaces where people are spending so much of their time in the industry as a whole, where musicians are, you know, like once 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 folks leave camp, I want them to have that experience outside of camp. So it all kind of flows together for me, at least. Oh, that's so beautiful, because I feel like you're creating a whole yeah, generation of music musicians, music people that are coming through these things, being taught they can express freely, that they can be the kind of musician they want to be. And then I imagine they, yeah, hit the roadblock that is the existing industry that is not as forgiving. And at least they've started with that foundation. That's at least something, but that's fascinating. That's a really interesting jump. And that's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's cool. And it's, it's, you know, part of it too, is like, you know, uh, in some ways the camp itself is, is the onus becomes sort of on, the the folks participating to like put themselves out there but I feel like we should be creating a space where the onus is actually on the the culture and on uh you know men in particular to in white folks in particular to be able to like be like actually I I need to learn how Mm -hmm. to to make the space better for everyone so yeah yeah Yeah. I love it so much It's so needed. More. <laughs> more, more, more. Yeah. And in a way that's not 
I think that almost ties with like the way you make a young girl comfortable to go up on stage and, mm-hmm. and demand what she needs out of something. It's making that not scary. And I think that's a big thing is making people not scared of talking about this stuff and admitting what they don't know. And mm-hmm. just, it's just an open, if everybody was just open and emotionally self-aware and able to communicate about their emotions, we'd have a lot of an easier time in this world. I feel like. Yes. So and mm-hmm. music, music is such a great tool for that. So beautiful. exactly. Yes. Oh, I love it. Great. Okay. So we'll get into all that. We're getting there. I love cool. this though. Cool. This is so exciting. What? So I know we did you, you were in bands and stuff, yes. but what, just as an aside, so we have more info about you. What do you love to do when you're not doing your work and in music? What, wh- who is Hillary outside of mm. the, the music obsession that we all have? Boy, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm not sure, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I have a family, you know, I've got a, a partner and, and a, a son and he's five and we like, Yay. you know, my, my partner builds bicycles, like custom bicycles. That's his wow. jam. Um, and we both work from home. It's great. So like, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like raising a five-year-old son is like a whole thing as well as like thinking about the ways that you're helping to create the culture through parenting. Yeah. Like that's a whole thing as well. Like let's do this the best we can. Right. Um, but as far as like the fun stuff, I mean, that's fun too. <laughs> uh, you know, I like to go to, um, I like to ride bikes. I like to go hiking. Um, I like going like to flea markets and stuff antiques, yeah. antiquing. Uh, and you know, I, I just like to go to guitar shops. I just do. It, it's, yes. It just never ends. I can't stop. I love so it. There you go. That's, yeah. It's so nice that all of, I, I feel like that's very fair. We all have our side interests, but what we love to do is so inextricably tied with what we do, especially I feel like with work like yours, it's, it's like a yeah. soul calling. So that's just totally. you and it's what you're doing. And that's, I oh, feel so very, cool. yeah, I feel very lucky to be in that situation. It's a real privilege, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Speaking of your jobs at record stores mm-hmm. and music retail mm-hmm. shops. What is it about those environments that draws you into the music space and what inspired you to establish the girls rock Rhode Island or the riot RI program? Yeah, I worked at, uh, I was the first woman who was a guitar salesperson at this shop, which was called Marguerite's music. And it was in the upper Midwest in where I'm from. And it was the largest independent dealer at the time. And the woman who ran it um, was, she had started it as a card shop, basically like gift cards and gift, like a gift shop kind of. And then her son, like in the sixties started playing guitar and he's like, mom, what do you think about carrying these guitars? And she's like, okay, let's try it. And, uh, and it it really took off. And, uh, and that's what happened. And I was, I was sort of hired. I lo- I went in there a lot, but I didn't know anything about guitars really. Like I didn't know much about gear. I couldn't change a string. Um, and I had been working at this record store and had a not great experience. And I mean, I loved working there. It's fun, but like the management, it was, it was very problematic. So, so they kind of were like, Hey, do you want to come work here? I was like, you know, I don't know anything. Right. And they're like, it's cool. We'll teach you. And I was like, Oh my God, this is a dream. Um, so, so they taught me kind of everything I know. That's, it really sparked my interest in gear, um, in a real way. And, but I also had the weird experiences of like everybody wanting to, you know, have the man, you know, 
find, you know, work with, work with the man who's the guitar salesperson, the other, the other mm-hmm. person I was working with asking me like weird questions about like how, I, like being just totally baffled that I would be interested in gear in the first place. Um, you know, coworkers sharing like really offensive, um, jokes and stuff and like pictures around me you know that kind of thing so it's like the things that happen that you know you (laughs) all the things all the things you know check 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 right so uh so that and then you know just being being a musician as well you know it was funny I didn't until very recently remember this situation where when I was in high school I was in a band with my boyfriend he played drums and I played um I play guitar and I remember specifically saying to him that like, I cannot like hold your hand. And I was like 16 or something. Mm. I can't hold your hand. I can't kiss you at a show because I wanted to be taken seriously. And I didn't want people to think that I was only in the band because I was dating him. Um, and it was like, wow. I totally had blocked that out, but I feel like those types of experiences, like I somehow got this message that that was, that was the reality. Um, and I hadn't been doing it for that long. Uh, you know, and I also grew up with like, mm-hmm. you know, the guitar worlds with the buyer's guide and all of that. Like, so all of those things sort of led me to, to wish that, you know, I'd had something like a rock camp when I was younger. I wanted people to, you know, other people to have a better experience where they felt really um, supported. And the other thing about camp is that there's a lot of workshops. It's not just music. There's workshops on healthy relationships. There's workshops on um, privilege and oppression. There's workshops on um, all sorts of like issues related to being a young, a young person. And so it all just sort of made sense. Like having that sort of um, understanding what a healthy relationship looks like, understanding what gender roles look like and understanding how folks work in the world makes it so that you, when you do go on stage and you do, you know, if you work at a store, you're going to have be able to better handle that stuff so it all kind of worked together in my mind yeah that's cool and how to yeah how yeah. to navigate that and mm-hmm, empowering mm-hmm. people to do that themselves that's mm-hmm. seriously super cool so in your work assuming someone listening to this who doesn't know say there's people like maybe men listening other allies listening that don't know mm-hmm. in in simple terms in your mind what do you see as the main barriers people face in feeling welcomed into our industry and getting into it specifically i guess in music products speaking and the nam space yeah that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's good. You got to define it to be able to like, yeah. it's, to, it's so big. You got to, and even if you can, it's very hard to define, but I wonder if you can for, for those of us who may not know yet. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes in, a, it, it, it functions in a few steps sort of, right? Yeah. So like there's these external messages that folks get about what, um, what like cis women are supposed to do, um, what trans women, non-binary folks are supposed to do. And that, I think um, those messages that we get, we get from a very young age. And a lot of that, I think, is around um, s- technical skills such as playing music, right? Um, like even within music, there are particular uh, stereotypes around the types of music or types of instruments that folks are supposed to play, right? So um, it, it all gets ingrained so young that it just seems like that if you can't imagine yourself doing something, you can't you can't, it's not, it doesn't become an option for you. Um, so that's, I think a big part of it. And then I think there's a lot of spaces where it's like these subtle experiences that folks have are giving them messages in addition to like the larger societal message, these small individual interactions are causing people to think like, okay, well maybe I'll go to this other place where I'm going to have a little bit more support, this other field or whatever. Right. Um, 
you know, instead of having someone telling me that I don't know how to plug in my microphone or something like (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, it's like a lack of, um, a lack of support. Um, and then that can lead to a lack of confidence for folks, um, in when they actually get into this space, if they don't have that confidence already built, um, it's hard for them to kind of like have the time and the space and the ability to learn and to build it because they're not given the support. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that feels like you might sum that up in like that it's it's about the atmosphere, right? It's like from the very beginning, sure. people being able to to tangibly experience people that look like them, that have similarities to them doing things that they might want to do, and then making it so that when they start doing it, they feel that they are supposed to be there. And that's yeah. so hard to define because that's yeah, that's in it's intangible. But yeah. it's it's that's everything. You're so that's that is everything. And you can see the ways that it kind of like manifests in particular spaces where it's like, okay, well, you work in in a guitar shop, but you're still expected to like do admin. You're still expected to do, you know, it's all of those things. Even though you get in this space, you still have those expectations that sort of roll out around like, oh, you, you're the one, oh, you're going to answer the phone or you're going to take the notes at the meeting or you're going to, you know, like all that kind of stuff still seeps in. I think that's the, the stuff that people don't, don't necessarily notice. And it's not like it's not the end of the world, right? Like no one, it's, there's much worse things that could happen and much worse things do happen. But, um, but it, but I think that the combination of those things all together, the environment, it's like the air you're breathing is sort of, they compound. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I want to go back to your example from when you were 16, because you also mentioned Mm -hmm. it's when we're younger, some of these things are ingrained in those experiences. So people might not realize that their actions, mm. let's say a 16 year old who's getting on the stage with their band, that's going to impact yeah. them for the rest of their lives. And you even said that you shut it, you, you forgot about it. And yeah. then it just came, <laughs> you just put it in the back of the little treasure trove yes. of experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Of suppressed memories. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. honestly, I wonder if that's like part of it too. I really, it really just like surprised me when it came out. I was like, Oh yes. Like I totally forgot about that. I mean, I think about it now as, as an adult person who's in bands with men, you know, sometimes I play with, with men and sometimes I don't, but like when I have, there's always that, you know, like your assumption that you're, you know, that you're dating the person in the band and like, sometimes you are and sometimes you're not. And, but that shouldn't have anything to do with your value uh, as a musician, right? Like, uh, and it's interesting too, because I feel like there's in some situations, there's like two camps, right? Where it's like, some people are like, you, you really want to make the space better so that other people don't have to experience those things. And then there are some people who I've run into in life who are like, well, that's just what it's like. And I had to work mm-hmm. really hard to get there. And so everyone should have to work really hard. And they, you just, you just have to suck it up and put up with it. Uh, and that, <laughs> that's a whole other, yeah. You know, like yeah. that's, I, I feel really sad for folks who have that mentality because it's like, it's poison, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I think that is, I personally am seeing that a lot mm-hmm. in just this intersection of of us working in well any any in the music industry in general, but a lot of the the young people coming up and ones that had to claw their way to where they mm-hmm. are now. There, I feel that there's that conversation happening, which I think maybe is a little bit of a scarcity mindset mm-hmm. because there yeah. wasn't if there was one seat at a table for someone yes. who wasn't a white man, then mm-hmm. it's going to be me, not you, but. Um, and so there's still that mindset now when we're all just like, but we could make space for everybody. 
everybody. So, but it's, so how do you, I it's, yes, that's a huge question, but in, in say someone comes up about that, what's like an, what, what, how do you have that conversation succinctly, like without going down too far, this rabbit hole, is there any strategy that you use or mindset to frame that for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, my first thought is just the idea of like lateral or horizontal violence, which is the Mm. idea that like Mm. you are like, if you can get, for example, women to fight with other women for position, for power, for, you know, whatever the thing might be, then they're not, they're distracted from the fact that of the real problem, right? Like they're distracted from what the real issue is, which is the patriarchy, right? Or like whatever (laughs) system is, is, is causing problems, right? And that happens in every oppressed group, right? So, uh, so if you, if you can frame it that way and be like, actually, the people want us to fight with each other, like that's, encouraged because then we can't actually get to where we need to go that's so interesting yeah and I feel like that's a good way to bring that up and have someone be like oh yeah I feel like that's a that's a statement that can cut through to the logic center of people yeah and I think also just being like I recognize that you had that experience and that was really hard for you I do not discount that and you have worked very hard but also you know like wouldn't it have been nice to not have to work that hard think about what else you could have accomplished yeah what else could you have accomplished if you didn't have to have all those barriers or things that you had to get through, you know, to, to get there? Like what else could you have done? Um, yeah, there's just so much possibility with that. Right. And also that situation probably wasn't the healthiest situation for you mm-hmm. to be in either, mm. or you might just be blind right. someone might be blind to the fact that that's not a healthy situation for the right. person that they're talking to. So right. you just have to be aware and respect everyone's experiences. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because it gets normalized too. Like that's part yeah. of it. It's like people think that's what you're supposed to do. And so they're like, well, I guess this is just what we do, you know? Oh, well on that vein, actually, that's a perfect segue, Natalie, for how people can like look at themselves and figure that out because it becomes so normalized when it's the air we breathe. How do we figure out where we are? So you launched this music gear backdoor test. And when I read about this, I was like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is basic. So (laughs) (laughs) what, so what is it? What inspired you to create this? Uh, Let's just start there. Yeah. So the mute, so if folks are not familiar with the Bechdel test, the original Bechdel test, for some reason, basically um, it was created by Alison Bechdel, um, who had a uh, graphic novel called uh, Dykes to Watch Out For, which was uh, fabulous. And she recently had a fun house, if you're familiar with that. Um, anyway, she had written basically in a, in one of these uh, illustrations that there are three things that, you know, women would need in order to be what, better represented in movies. Like, I want to see these things in movies in order to feel like I can go to see them. One is that there are two female characters and they are both named and they talk to each other about something other than a man. Uh, and that was, that's the baseline. And to this day, I think about 55% of movies only pass that. And that is a low bar. <laughs> it is a Jeez, low bar. Cr- like they could yeah. be talking about laundry. They could be talking about shopping. It's very low bar. So uh, not that there's anything wrong with talking about laundry or shopping, but you know, more character <laughs> yeah. development would be We're nice. We're not asking for too much I'm not, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's not asking for much, but yeah, but so many movies and so yes. many very famous and very, you know, movies with lots of accolades uh, do not pass the Bechdel test. Uh, I was just, I just, we got the book, The Hobbit for my child. Uh, and I looked at mm. it and I was like, I have 
don't see a single woman in it. I'm sure probably none of the Lord of the Rings films do. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving right along. The music gear back tell test. Um, it's something in having conversations with companies, one thing that comes up, and I think with people broadly, uh, conversations around like how to manage social media and marketing and what is appropriate or not appropriate and how to like actually do a good job. And to me, I was like, well, I wonder if there's a way to apply that to people's, you know, marketing and social media in in the industry. And so I created, uh, or I sort of thought about what might make sense and what might be important for people to address in the industry when thinking about, um, you know, just doing a better job with representation of women. And this is just women. Um, that's, you know, you, there are other folks who have made them for other, for movies, for other spaces, but this is just specifically around women in um, the music, uh, in music gear and music products. <laughs> uh, so here are the rules and they are hopefully a little bit more aspirational than the original Bechdel test. So one, <laughs> there is a woman. Two, she is presented as a capable musician. Three, if she is presented with an instrument that has traditionally feminine aesthetic, uh, like pink or flowers or sparkles or whatever, there is a companion ad featuring a woman with an instrument that is not traditionally feminine and aesthetic. But the idea with it is that it sort of provides some uh, guidelines for companies for cre for not just like creating one particular ad, but for kind of thinking about all of their ads um, and social media posting as a whole. And mm -hmm. so it's thinking about like um, not only like you know, making sure that she's presented in a way that is capable, that makes sure that, you know, like if she's presented sexually, it's on her own terms. If she's a woman of color, that it's like, you know, not using racial stereotypes. If she's a trans woman, her identity and pronouns are respected. Um, attention to the way that they manage the comments that come after that, if it's on social media, right? Because people see those things, right? Like that's that I feel in some ways, like that's part of the package. That's part of the job. Yeah. People who run social media, hats off to you because that is a... <sighs> It's a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah. Skin, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so aggressively compartmentalized very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I think um, for me, it's just useful because I think that people can look at this and read the test and say like, OK, looking at all across all of our our media, all of our marketing, um, are are we doing this? Like, um, you know, I think that's it's it's useful just to have something to go by instead of being like, I don't know. Are we doing a good job? So there you go. What have you learned from giving out this test? Like what data has been pulled in as you've like through the process of administering it? Like has anything like really jumped out to you? The, I think the thing that becomes the most complicated for folks is that they, well, first of all, people aren't, they just don't have enough women in their ads to like mm -hmm. even assess this. M many companies, not all, there are some that do a great job, but many of them just don't have enough in the first place. So that's the first issue. But I think the major issue that people struggle with, I think is around, um, how people are presenting themselves. So if someone's presenting themselves sexually, uh, is it something that is, uh, empowering or, uh, with agency or is it objectifying? Because people have a very hard time wrapping their brains around that, I think. Um, and, recognizing that like if a woman is choosing to present herself that way like that can be her personal self-expression um and then you know it doesn't mean that like <laughs> that that she's necessarily you know being controlled by some media somewhere that's making her do it right it depends on the person and depends on the scenario and sometimes that's hard to tell um but i think that recognizing that like you know if somebody's choosing to present themselves that way that 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 might be a choice however if a company is only presenting women in like very sexual ways, that's also a problem, right? Like <laughs> there should be a range if you don't, but if also if you only have like two women, 
you don't have yeah, enough you of the op- <laughs> right so part of the issue with representation generally is if you don't have a lot of people you can't um there's there, you just you, you're, everybody's in like a small box right like you don't mm-hmm. have the range of representation where which is i think in many cases many cases the real problem yeah wow that's so interesting and also like company you don't want companies to just showcase a woman right. or a person of color because right. it checks a box off. Right. You don't want it to be token, tokenizing because that it's feels It's not bad. thoughtfully done. Right. Because, right. yeah. And it, so the idea is that people are also hopefully doing other things that are supporting folks, like whether it's like having people on their artist roster or um, talking about issues that affect folks or, uh, you know, you know, have them <laughs> staff that are women, for example, or staff that are folks of color, like that, that make that feel makes it feel real instead of just like, oh, we're gonna, you know, hang up this one woman and look, we did our job check, you know? Yeah, I love that this can be a way to start those conversations, too. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's talking about one specific aspect of business, but I feel like no company could do this without starting down that path of all, all these yeah. things have underlying things that you need to examine to address them. And that's a really cool, I don't know, it, it's a little bit like, what's it saying? Like putting a frog in war- lukewarm water and then you boil it slowly. So it doesn't understand oh, that it's boiled yeah. until it's already boiled. So you, you, you ease people into <laughs> yeah. thinking about this stuff and let them feel mm-hmm. like they came to it on their own. That's a good subtle kind of way. But I don't know. Yeah. I just, I love that that's kind of a gateway, uh, you know, pulls people yeah, into that. Those exactly. larger ones. And this is also a very timely conversation too, because, and I've been reading a lot about this in the, the past couple of mm-hmm. days, because it is Pride Month and right, they're talking about rainbow washing and making sure that companies aren't, are actually doing more than just changing their logo to a right. rainbow or selling products that have a rainbow design on them because that's what they think supporting pride is. Yes, a hundred percent. And that's, that, that's the other thing, right? Cause it's like, and that, that does, it does, it, people can tell, right? Like people can tell when that's happening um, because they'll, they, if they're paying any attention at all, they're going to see whether folks are actually represented in a way that is respectful. Uh, if they are, you know, hiring folks, you know, if they're, if they're represented across the board, if they're supporting those projects uh, led by those folks, like it's, it's, whatever the group might be. And it could be, you know, for pride, it could be for black lives matter. It could be for whatever, like any, any group, um, people are paying attention. They're going to notice. Yeah. So if a company is interested in the music gear Bechtel test, mm-hmm. how do they get involved? Do they contact you? Like what's the, well, so if they, I mean the, the test itself, like they can, you know, it's on my website there. Anybody can access it. They can, they can take the test and, um, they can, uh, I would recommend doing it. You can have that conversation internally. If you have a group of folks that are involved in marketing, they can do it depending on the size of the company. If you, you know, want to do it as staff meeting, like go for it. Like there's lots of ways that you could do that. Uh, and even think about like, okay, well, we're having this meeting. How do these other companies do? Like what, who's doing it well? Like it kind of, as you're saying, can start that conversation. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm obviously happy to help folks, um, to dig in a little bit further around that as well. Um, that's, I just, I love talking about this and I, I could do it all day. Um, and then we have do trainings and things like that as well. So that can hopefully, um, get people to a place where if somebody gets hired that they, 
will stay <laughs> um, because I think that's one of the yes. issues as well. Right. So it's like, you know, that is a major problem where people, you know, like they're like, well, we hired the one person and then you're like, they, and they left in three months and well, <laughs> so yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And shout out to um, Heather who connected us. Cause you, they, they found you through doing work with Reverb. So yeah. it's happening, everybody. You can do it. Reach out. Let's, let's make this more of a, a norm across <laughs> our industry that we, are doing this work. I mean, I think it already is happening, but I think in music products, I personally, I don't know, I don't work in it nine to five anymore, but I think products I've sensed might be a little bit slower to be embracing some of these ideas than now that I'm on the more public facing mm-hmm. like artist mm-hmm. side. I feel like that has been, I don't know. I think this is something that still we're starting these conversations and hopefully they will be open arms uh, embraced. But I think yeah starting starting small well on that note too that's how so someone listening to this and they're like okay I love my company I want to help us do better what is something that other than the Bechdel test because I music your Bechdel test I think Mm. that's a really good place to start what's what's another small thing they can start doing in their day-to-day or in their jobs they can bring to management or something that that doesn't feel terrifying but is something they can start doing to start building the habits of like being like living this and being helping to create this atmosphere that we all want. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I always think of, um, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but it is to do icebreakers, which (laughs) sounds, it sounds silly. And everybody's like, I don't want to do any trust falls, but here's the thing. Like in order to have these conversations around gender issues, around, um, uh, around uh, any issue related to diversity, you have to be able to, get uncomfortable and people don't want to get uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with people that they don't trust and you don't trust people if you don't know them and that's why you have to build trust through things like icebreakers even though you might hate them (laughs) i love that it's it's like it's finding the ones that work for you and your team i think is the is the is the important thing oh i love that yeah my i have a i have a coworker who does Mm -hmm. that for certain meetings he's like it's icebreaker time yeah (laughs) but it helps it really does It's when, cause then people are like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you really have to be, and if, and if your team already, if everybody already gets along really well, you don't need to worry about that. Like that's fine. But I think that in spaces where I've seen trouble emerge, oftentimes it is because there is some breakdown and a lack of trust. Cause if people trust each other, they can have a conversation and say like, Hey, that thing that you said really made me feel uncomfortable. Like you can actually have that conversation. Um, and the other person will actually listen to you because they, they trust you and they like you. Um, but if you don't have that, then you're going to, there's going to be a problem. That that's just so beautiful and it's so gettable and it's all just like we talked about people being able to feel comfortable in spaces. And that is, of course, that's, how yeah. it. that's like, that's <laughs> but we don't think of those things together because it's so thought of, though, right. right? Like we do this, but not with the intention of this can help us build a better overall world. It's just something people just do. Yeah. That is like time. the so, literal easiest thing that you can do. Yeah. Do icebreakers. I love it. Oh, I love it. So I want to hear more about your podcast, Midriff, yes. and when did you start the podcast and what's your vision? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So the goal with the podcast, so I started it in um, January of 2020 um, and it 
it really, the purpose is twofold. One is to create a space where cis women, trans and non-binary folks can sort of like feel supported, um, you know, share stories, uh, experiences. And two, it is so that folks in the industry, cis men in particular, um, can listen and actually learn, uh, uh, you know, if they're interested in like actually making change. I think that folks have so much knowledge and um knowledge to give and especially in spaces where like you're not maybe interacting with a lot of women you might not hear those types of stories um and it's good to you know to be able to to hear those from from folks so because i think sometimes people are like that doesn't really happen but it's like every single time i hear the same you know it's this, the stories keep coming so it's it's that. been really fun as i'm sure you know <laughs> oh yes <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah. Were you recording in person before the pandemic hit or were you like an early? No, I was doing virtual, virtual before the pandemic because a lot of the the interviews I was doing were were oh. virtual. And actually one of the first in one of the first episodes I did was actually at NAM. Um because I had gone and like interviewed folks. I like brought my recorder and I didn't, you know, it was a it was one of my first, you know, times that I actually was out interviewing people. Um and that's the maybe I've only done like one or two other ones in person. So yeah. Cool. That's the goal for Stephanie and I. At, at some point, we're going to do an interview in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> meet in the middle. One yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll meet in, what is the middle, Dallas or Chicago, either way. <laughs> yeah, we'll meet in Chicago. Somewhere in the middle. Where are you from yeah. originally, too? You said Midwest. I'm North from Fargo, Midwest. Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. Cool. Oh. Yes. Yes. I'm currently in Rhode Island. Love it. Yes. East Coast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll link uh the podcast and everything so anybody cool. listening can can find it. Yeah, that bears without saying. Um yeah, great. I think we already what I wanted to ask was how we could all just kind of get get the ball rolling and starting and stuff. I think we already talked about a little some homework for everybody to leave and start, yeah. start building that trust with your team so that these can, can flow. And then I feel like I, yeah, I wanted to see what's like a bigger down the line. And I feel like you start with icebreakers and second, you bring in the music gear Bechdel test and then you go from there. And I think that's a very cool, or it's, it's a, it's a plan to start fostering yeah. this and start having these conversations yeah. in your company. Yeah. Totally. And then I think like, you know, get, get some community agreements in there. You've got a nice little, you're setting the stage. You're going to be in good shape. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Coming up pretty soon, I will be releasing some um, data from a survey that I did with uh, a music gear, gender and music gear experiences survey, um, which was Ooh. with about a thousand folks um, that will be coming out hopefully shortly. I want to make sure that I'm able to get it out to as many folks as, as possible. So that looks really at kind of dial digs in a little bit more around specifically what people's experiences are like, um, both in social media and in actually retail spaces as well. So excited. And and companies. Yeah. So all all, all of it, it's all coming. Yep. Oh, I can't wait. This is, this is amazing. (laughs) So if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? I have a website. It is hillarybjones.com. Um, and I am pretty active on Instagram at Midriff Podcast. Love it. Give her a yes. follow. Obviously, we'll have all that information in the description below. Cool. Brad, thank you so much, Hillary. This is, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg of this whole discussion, but I think 
it's a place to start and it's awesome. And thank you for having this conversation with us and with all the people you're doing it with, all the work you're doing. It's just, cool. yeah, building a better, building a better ecosystem. We're doing it. Yeah. And thank you yeah. so much for this. I really appreciate it. This has been super fun and I love all that you're doing. So A plus. <laughs> Yay. Yay. A plus and gold stars for everyone. <laughs> We're all achievers. Yes. We still take traditional forms of of you're doing good. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Thanks again, Hillary. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Swim Masters. Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things swim. We'd love it if you could share and leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at smartwomeninmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond, Natalie Morrison, and Julia Olson. See you next time.